Hi, this is PJ. I am with nursesatwork.org and um, just starting this podcast and I'm feeling great about it. And I have Miss Lori Norris uh, with me doing my first episode. Um, I'm going to have her introduce herself and, um, and pretty much we're just going to really just talk about um, critical care nursing. And, um, and Lori, why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself and Okay. Well, thank you for inviting me. My name's Lori Norris. I've been a nurse approximately 32 and a half years. Oh my God. A lot of background in critical care, burn unit, ICU, recovery, cath lab, angio, CAT scan, you name it, endoscopy. You wow, you get it But some of the, the most fun I've had is in acute care, where you're taking care of critical patients, mm -hmm. and they take two steps forward and two steps back. Mm -hmm. So since all my years at the bedside, I've kind of moved towards training nurses in critical care, teaching them the rhythms, okay. teaching them drips, teaching them critical thinking skills, which, you know, nursing school does not give nurses no, that. They and do not. So they come out and then within six months to a year, they're thrown into situations where, oh my gosh, they've got someone's life in their hands and they don't have the proper training. So my big focus lately has been um, teaching EKG classes okay. and then teaching ACLS classes. And then my focus today is doing uh, mock code blues and rapid response drills with the nurses. And getting them to figure out what they should do next, and you know how to work as a team—that's like the biggest struggle. Yeah, I, I I've seen that. I I noticed that um, at the when I was at work yesterday, I was in ICU, and um, they had uh, just a couple of new nurses that was on the floor, and there was a patient that went into rapid response, and they just literally froze. I mean, they totally froze, and it's like, okay, you need to get, you need to start doing something, you know, um, you know, and, and also, too, it depends on um, it, the organization, the structure, right? and I think, you know, you have to make sure that, yes, you have someone that's recording, you have, you know, pretty much a leader, you right. know, to delegate these tasks. Um, I know that at one hospital, I used to write those tasks on the board, but when it comes to time for them to actually, when there's a rapid response or a cold blue that's being, uh, you know, called out, for some reason, those people are not there. <laughs> they don't show up. It's like, where are they? My God. So, so when you have people walk in the room and they don't know what to do, mm -hmm. and, and say there's no leader there yet, so hopefully they'll gravitate to the next right thing, mm -hmm. whether it's starting CPR, whether it's bagging, whether right. it's putting patients on the monitor. Or they'll stand there and they'll look at each other yeah. and nobody will open up the med drawer. Right. I'm like, hello, you guys are nurses. Open up the drawer. Look at your meds. Start thinking about what you're going to do next. Yeah. But you know what? I think it's just fear. I'm going to be mm -hmm. honest with you. Yeah. And I always say I'm not that type of nurse. I'm a preventive nurse, well preventive. I, I do not like clothes. I do not like being in them. I do not like taking part of it. It's just, you know, some people are just not, 
nurses as far as what I'm trying to say. It's not meant to be in the ER to do that, to get that, you know, they have that adrenaline or whatever have you. For me, I'm a well-preventive type of nurse. I want to prevent things from happening because I do know that in certain situations, I do freeze. And I, my mind, for some reason, things that's going on in my brain is like, not structuring, you know, kind of directing me to say, okay, these are the things or the steps that you need to take. And so it's like for those type of nurses, where do we need to start for that? Is it training at the beginning, you know, to, at the yeah. beginning um, to change the way they think, to change the way they see things and to, be, to practice more? Because that, for me, like I said, I dread. I do not want to participate in being part of a, a code whatsoever. Right. Now, a lot of new nurses really struggle with that. And even older nurses, they would yes. rather prevent it. So just teaching them the facts that they have to memorize. You know, these are the, the four things for this rhythm you have to memorize. This is the four things for PEA, right. you know, asystole, you have to memorize. And teach them the colors of the boxes. You know, you just have to memorize that. Then the next step is training, is doing the mock code blues and having them do different things like, hey, you are a great recorder. Next time right. you come in, why don't you do CPR? Right. Practice those compressions. Right. You'll be ready right. because a lot of times they will change roles. Mm -hmm. I had a recorder drop the clipboard to go do CPR <laughs> and then no one's recording for 10 minutes. And right. I'm like, no, you have to get somebody to take your job over before you move jobs. Mm -hmm. Or don't leave the code without leaving your name because right. the recorder okay. is not psychic. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh, just those little things. And like, who's gonna call the doctor? Who's gonna call the family? Right. So just reminding nurses, what's, what do we do? There's several things we have to do all at the same time. And that's what's tricky. Yeah. And, and when they're freaking out, they can't think all these different things. So making it more routine, mm -hmm. and the more you drill, the more routine it becomes and then the easier it is. And then I've seen codes go like clockwork. Okay. And that rocks. I mean, when you see a well-oiled machine, I mean, I've worked in ICU for ages, and when there was a code, okay, we calmly walk over, bam, 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 we do this in order. One's got a doctor on the phone, next one's got the family on the phone. Everything goes just smoothly. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. So how often should we do a mock code? How often? How many times a week? Because some people say, well, you know what? You probably should at least do it, you know, every day. No. I mean, like, you know, I mean, just so the nurses can, you know, get used to uh, that, you know, uh, that trend or that way of doing things. Um, or three times a week or I mean what would be your suggestion and also too should it only be done at night you know I don't know why some people think that all codes and rapid response <laughs> happen at nighttime they happen on day shift just as well you know even on PM shift depending upon where you are located where you do eight hours or whatever have you but um, how often and actually as far as the shifts goes um, does it matter? Um, actually, it does because um, I thought 
Night Shift does have a few more codes, but they run usually really well at this hospital. Okay. Um, I've seen other hospitals where the day shift was stronger. Okay. So it all depends on the people. Okay. But you should equally address every shift, as far as I'm concerned, because I used to be PMs, and we didn't have too many codes, okay. luckily, in my ICU. but. Um, a fair amount, but you should all, every shift should have the training and making sure that you do it um, most of the time just to get the, the most nurses to attend. Okay. You usually do it in the middle of the shift. Oh, okay. Because nurses won't show up. Yeah, that's true. They won't show up <laughs> for a mock code. The, <laughs> we know for that. Like, ooh, okay. Go, oh. Did you attend that mock code? Uh, no, I didn't. I'm getting ready to pass this medication and uh, see you later. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. They're going, oh, I haven't assessed my patients. I'm like, they'll yeah. still be there. Yeah. Don't worry about it. But to get the most response, I usually wait till after assessments and first meds, mm -hmm. and then I don't do it at the end of the shift because that's crunch time. Right. And crunch time, nurses won't come. They got to get out on time. Okay. You know that. So the middle of the shift is great. Try to avoid lunch times, dinner times. Okay. So it really only gives you a two-hour to a three-hour window to do these mock code blues where they come to the room and they're not stressed okay. because stressed out nurses don't respond as well. And we all know that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because when you have the stress response, you of course do not think clearly. We all have been in a fight with our spouse exactly. and you don't think clearly. Anyway. Uh, same thing with kids and same thing with coworkers. If you're, you're stressed out, it's just not going to go well. So just making it more calm and, and more fun. I always bring candy. I, I do occasionally throw a joke in there. Yeah, I'm like, you're good, Lori, you're good. And we try and say, hey, wow, great CPR. You're a rock star. Mm -hmm. You know, so trying to, you know, build up the nurses, give them some more confidence so that they feel even better okay. next time. And when they walk into a code, they're not scared. Right. So hopefully they don't freeze. <laughs> yes. I know, I know. I have that. I'm, like I said, I, I'm just not a fan of being in the ER. And it's really weird because a lot of people say, well, you know, I know you're a good nurse. I know, you, you know, you can do that. And, um, and not to say that I haven't tried and, you know, and I know I'll do what I have to do. But I just, when it comes to the ER, it's just not my cup of tea. Uh -huh. uh, I can do flow pool. Uh, be a flow pool nurse, but just don't flow me to ER. Oh, I used yeah. to. I used to volunteer to go to the ER. ICU nurses hate to go to the ER. <laughs> yeah, they would all look at me and they say, "Lori, you go." And I said, "Okay." But as soon as there's an admit, they're calling me in the ER. Hey, you got to come back. See, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, too, as far as anyone who is interested, um, because you know there's a lot of new nurses that. Um, I just pretty much um, did my uh, evident training with and uh, also trained on another particular software um, and they pretty much was like, well, they were interested in, you know, we were talking and basically it was like, well, you know, I, I want to be an ER nurse or I want to be an ICU nurse um, and just trying to figure out the steps that they need to take to, 
you know, to certify in that. So what would you pretty much advise them to do if they're interested, if they know what type of nurse that they want to be? And it's good, these, you know, this group that I have when I was teaching the software, they pretty much knew, oh yeah, I want to, you know, be this type of nurse because I'm going to be honest with you, in the beginning, when I was a new grad, I really did not know what area that I wanted to really uh specialize in until right. later. Right. So these nurses, these group of nurses, they were fresh, you know, uh, nice. of, yeah, they were fresh grads, new grads, you know, I mean, it's like, hey, we know nurses, you know, as we say, eat they young when they go into other places, but they were like, no, they seem very strong and, yeah. and determined. So what would you basically advise them on, on the steps that they need to take to well, be certified? this is just my personal opinion. I did um, a, one and a half years, almost two years on the floors because I liked the idea of getting my skills down, my time management skills down, and being able to do, you know, six, we, back in the day in the 80s, hate to tell you, we used to have six or seven patients and I might have an LVN or an aide, probably not. So, um, if I could do that, then when moving into critical care, it was a little bit easier because now it's easier to focus on those two critical patients. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't, I did trauma, like I went to the trauma um, alerts and stuff because I worked in the burn unit at my first critical care Wow, job. that was interesting. I love peeling skin. Everybody wow. should peel skin for a living. <laughs> It was fun. Two-hour tubbings. Yeah. I'd probably be crying through the whole entire time wow. because I'd be like feeling so sad, you know. No, it was happened? fun. We're cracking jokes oh, in the tub room. Yeah. But, but that, I mean, that was a great experience. Most of my friends went to CCU and ICU. I was the only one that went okay. to the burn unit. Okay. But eventually, there's, a, there's not as many burn units as there used to be. They're really now specific. Everybody gets metaflighted to the closest okay. one. Okay. So ICU and CCU are your better bets, or um, SICU, surgical ICU. Um, those are all great places to work, but you usually have to get your your credential to work in that area, which would be a CCRN. Okay. Okay, and then of course the ER nurses get their CEN. Okay. Okay. So what you usually do is work in those departments for like a year, and you get that credential. And then you keep up your continuing education hours mm -hmm. for that specialty. So you're going to take category A classes on critical care stuff. You're going to take more anatomy type physiology classes mm -hmm. on CHF or um, pacemakers or whatever. Right. You're not going to take those fluffy classes about hospice. You know, you're going to take stuff that's going to help you at work. Right. Um, with my CCRN, I had to have 100 CEUs every three years to keep that up. Okay. And I kept it up for 24, 25 years. Okay. That's a lot wow. of CEUs. Yeah, that is. So I took so many classes, occasionally I could tell the doctors the latest study. <laughs> so that really helps you in critical care, keeping up on the latest studies, keeping up on the latest things coming out latest treatments, right, right. then you come to work educated and you come to work confident. Exactly. And exactly. that's how you're going to help your patients. Exactly. And you help your coworkers. All of a sudden they come to you and say, hey, right. what do you think? Should you, can you come see my patient just for a minute? And they're asking your advice because you go to classes, you keep up on your exactly. education. 
super important. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, that's really great. And we all should, we're a team, we all should share information. Yes. Um, because if you're not there, mm -hmm. let's just say, you know, uh, and you're skilled in this particular area, I mean, it's just really hard, you know. Yeah. So, but um, it's, Laurie, it's just been great. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. The, one other critical care area that is totally different, and if you feel motivated to try it, is recovery room. It's a totally different skill set. I did recovery room for like six years. Okay. And it was wonderful. One of my favorite places to work right there next to ICU. Okay. And um, a lot of times ICU nurses can get cross-trained and they can float between the areas. And it helps prevent like burnout in nursing oh, okay. to, to yes. work in different yes. areas because yes. Yes. sometimes you get a little bit too stuck in that little hole that you're working in day in and day out. Mm -hmm. Try and, you know, work with your your um, staffing coordinators or whatever and see if you can get out of your unit and try something different because every once in a while you will get pulled yeah. to a different area and it's best to be cross-trained ahead of time. Yeah, I think, you know what, that's the reason why I like being a flow pool nurse mm -hmm. is, is because I was, you know, on tele and then on uh, PCU or go to ICU and, and it does help the whole burnout situation where, you know, because for me, it's interesting, I should be the type of person that's like, oh yeah, I love ER because I can't sit still. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I get bored very easily. Um, but, it, you know, it's just the fact that for me, just floating around, you learn a lot too. Right. You learn a lot and, about other people in their departments and that sort of thing and how it works. It, I, I, my hat's off to you because I could not do float pool. Really? No. I mean, I don't mind floating. I'll float for all my friends, but I don't want to do it every day. I don't want to float every day. I like to be in my own unit sometimes, at least half of the time, and then I'll float. But okay. I, at least, I at least have to have a home base. I see. Yeah, I see. yeah that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I, I guess for me, it's just, oh, it's just the excitement. Like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to be here today. I'm going to be in this territory. Or in medical oncology or the, you know, or a PCU, you know. Uh -huh. um, but I know that when you do float, Oh my God, you meet so many people, everybody knows you, and you know what's going on in those departments. So that, it's like it has its cons, uh, cons and pros. It does, that. it does. I, I did registry when I was in ICU. I would do registry at the different hospitals. And you do that when you're young, okay? <laughs> do that now, make extra money. Because when you get to be my age, which is now 55, I don't want to do registry. I just want to do my job and go home. But when you're 20s, 30s, man, go make the killer bucks. Yeah, yeah. Go on vacation. That's what nurses need. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, Laurie, unless you have anything else to share, um, it has been a pleasure. Uh, and I have always admired your energy. And Thank you. Because you and you're just such a good educator. You are a nurse educator, and you are a leader. And uh, hopefully, I'll be talking to you again awesome. um, about some other exciting things. Okay. So, other than that, you have a fantastic evening. Mm -hmm. And for my audience, you guys, until next time. Other than that, you take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.